from a source sheet. It's just been... No, for me, like, like I can type faster probably than writing in English. In English. But typing right. in Hebrew for me... No, I can type faster in English than I can write, but sometimes I prefer to write it over myself. Because you know what they say, it's better for your brain. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so this one, this reviews at the top. What we were talking about last time was this concept of... Um, Shema and particularly Baruch Shem being in the world of Malachim. Shema in general is at the level of the world of Malachim, the world of Bria. And now that we're talking about Baruch Shem Kvod Malchuso, which is associated itself with Malachim, so that was kind of the topic. And we said that we talked about Mitoch Shalolishma, Balishma, doing something for its own sake. For learning Torah for its own sake, out of love of Torah or out of the desire to learn Torah versus for um, personal benefit um, about accepting like Shema before Vahayim Shamoa is it's the same concept as Shema before Vahayim Shamoa. So where Hamitoch Shalali Shema Bali Shema works, Rav Dessler said, is when before you started doing it Loli Shema, you really wanted to do it Lishma. You want to do a lishma for whatever reason that's either difficult or maybe there's just something else going on. Let's say a person is teaching Torah. Teaching Torah is a huge, huge mitzvah. So you could be doing that lishma. You could give a class and you're not getting paid and you just do it because you love people and you're not doing it for the honor or the glory or the respect or the social, whatever. And then, like here, I gave a class here. I just did it. Now I'm paid for my time here. I'm still giving the class. So maybe now it's not lishma. I mean, really, it doesn't make a difference because I'd be using the time for something anyway. But, like, I, now I'm getting paid for the time. But it doesn't have to be that it's lowly shema, right? It, you could have any reason why. But I wanted to do it lishma. So it doesn't take away from it. And in the end, you get back to doing it lishma. It's okay. You'll get there. That's the same concept as the question in the Gemara, why is shema before v'hayayim shamoa? In order that a person should be mekabel o'malcha shamayim and then mekabel ol mitzvos. It's that same concept. It's that before even doing the mitzvahs, there has, there's, so why are you doing the mitzvah in the first place? It doesn't mean you're doing it always for the purest of reasons in the moment of the mitzvah. But what's bringing you into the mitzvah at all is that I want to do what's right. I want that has to come first, and then all the other factors in between will purify as you go along. Can you say that your, your, your gates are told? I mean, like your, your good inclination... For sure, that's it. Just wants you to do it. But you, we're competing with this Yitzhar Hara that's pulling us from... That's for sure true. The only thing is, the, the caution I would put here, it's for sure true that there's the Yitzhar Hara wants to do what's right. Or that a person in their inner will, I'd say farther than that, because Yitzhar Hara and Yitzhar Tov over here are really a lower level than Shema. Right. So, but we have a concept that a person at their deepest rut zone at their neshama level, wants to always do what's right. And the Yetzirah and Yetzirah Tov might be superimposed over that. So you might be, like, distracted by that. So you could have the Yetzirah and Yetzirah Tov balancing each other. Is it, like, is it like bringing it into your conscious that you're wanting to... Like, okay, yes, you always want to do the right thing, but you're bringing it's it that, into your conscious. It's, it's the... What is driving you in the first place? It, it, over here, the question is, what's driving you in the first place? So you could start off your day by saying Shema, you're supposed to say Shema morning and evening. Right. 
the effect that's meant to have is that you're not in the middle of doing something. You sit down, you stop doing everything else, or you cover your eyes like you're not involved with anything else. And in that moment where there's nothing else calling to you, you say, Hashem is the king. He rules the entire universe. He created it. It's his. And I want to serve him. And then you go on with your life (laughs) after. But what you've done is you've infused into what you're doing that aware, that like that thought, like that's really where I want to be. And that means that now the things that you're doing, it's not, I don't think it's automatic because you might be doing stuff that you really had no intention of doing the right thing. But the idea is that you're meant to help infuse that into everything. Like I want to do the right thing, um, but I'm having a hard time with it. I, I want to be a really good mother. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, like in my moments when I'm not in the middle of being the mother, I want to be a really good mom and I, I don't want to yell at anyone and I want to be encouraging and understanding and sensitive and like really know where they're at and where they're going and be able to advise them in a way that they're able to hear it whatever, make them really delicious, nutritious dinners every night and have their lunches all packed in the mornings and uh, serve a hot breakfast every day. Like all the things, keep the house perfectly neat, everything so that they'll have like a, a wonderful environment to grow up in. Now I'm actually, that's what I'm thinking at night when I'm going to bed and like reflecting on my life. You know, and I wake up in the morning and then it's okay, everyone, time to get up. We'll say Modi'ani, we'll wash your hands. And then it's like, you could turn around 10 minutes later and there's somebody who's still sleeping. And you're like, hello, get up, get out of bed. We gotta go. You're gonna make everyone late. Okay, so now I'm doing them and so I'm like raising my kids. I'm getting them up, I'm getting them dressed, I'm, really I'm getting impressed them to learn Torah. Reflect on this. <laughs> because there's times when we reflect on it. Right. Okay. It's not all the time. Okay. And it's not during the time when we're active in it. Right. That's what I'm trying to say about right, the right, gates. Right. How are might be in play in the moment? The reflection is like not in the moment, it's a separate time. But what it means is that when I'm doing the mommy stuff, or maybe I make myself an incentive. If I can get the kids out the door on time, then I will allow myself to stop and get a cup of coffee and just relax for 20 minutes on the way home. Okay, because we'll be on time, we'll be earlier. I can stop and go to the shear. If I can get them there on time, I could be a rabbi Goldberg shear at 8.15 on time. Right? It's a little incentive to myself. So does that mean that I'm not, like, for the right reasons, getting my kids up and out on time? because I'm doing it so I could have my coffee or my class, selfishly. So what Rav Dessus, what the Gemara says is, it's okay if you do a mitzvah for sort of selfish or incentivized reasons. Because through the process of doing the mitzvah over time, eventually you'll come to do it for the right reasons, even though you start off doing it for the wrong reasons. That's what the Gemara says. Don't worry about it. Just do the mitzvahs. What Rav Dessler says is that only works if underlying that, originally there was like that reflective time of wanting to do it for the right reasons. Maybe now to actually do it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But you want to do it for the right reasons. Does that make sense? You're not totally doing it for the right sense. reasons. Just, you want to do it for the right reasons. No, you just made it click because a lot of the stuff that we do because we're in this 
in this area of our lives where we still have some kids at home and some kids there. And so it's hard for us to get things done, but we're actually, by saying that we want to get to the share one day, like I tell people, you know, they're like, how do you go to the share? I said, well, now I have the time because all my kids are in school. So like right now we have the time, but it's a struggle to get there. So one day we're going to have the time and we'll have the right reasons. Yeah, and you can have the, exactly. Hello. There's a lot of people in there now. I remember that room I told you about? Yeah, could we go in there? Yes, you may. And if anyone asks, so you'll tell them that. Oh, yeah. It is darker. It's darker. Mm -hmm. Can you dye it? This is a new one. Thank you, Michal. Bye. 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 She's so cute to notice. So, yeah, it's that. And eventually you'll get there, and you'll do things for for the right reasons. Sometimes we're doing things also because we want to impress people. Tzniyas, I think, is a common one. We might dress in a tzniyistic way because that's the social norm, and you wouldn't want people to look at you and be like, what? Like, That's like a really easy one, that you're doing the mitzvah and you're doing it well. Maybe you're even learning about it, and you're like, you know, feeling very righteous about it, but you might really be doing it for social reasons if you were able to fully reflect on it. But it's okay, the Gemara says. Like, just... You do it, and eventually, some inspiration will hit, or whatever. Right, and like you'll get there. Hopefully, you're in an environment right. where it's not making you. And you'll you're still be sticking with it. it, right? But what Rav Dessler says is that only works if underlying it all, right. there's a desire. It's not that you want to keep the mitzvah of tzniyas because that's what God finds beautiful or what He has commanded, but you want. To want to keep the mitzvah of tzniyas because that's what God finds beautiful and what he's commanded. And that's also... With, it's wanting to want to be good. And also it's like davening because when you first are learning to daven, it's like part of your day. Like you're not right. necessarily doing it You show up you at school to, you have to and they say, everyone school. open your sitter right. and we're going to daven. But then when you're older and you feel so good that you can find the time to right. do it. That's a perfect example yeah. of me. That's it. But if the point, what he's saying is, and this is... I'm glad you brought it up again because really this is a very important lesson, which is how powerful is wanting to want to be good. Mm-hmm. That even though it's a step removed from wanting to be good in God's eyes, there is a deep, deep power to wanting to want to be good. And that is it, so critical to know because you go through times in your life or situations or certain mitzvos or certain relationships where maybe temporarily you're like, I don't want to do what's right. I don't even want it. But you might find inside that you want to want it. Mm-hmm. And to realize that that's really powerful stuff. That is a little bit saying Shema before saying Yom Shema. That you have to want to do, you want to love Hashem. You're Mechabal Malchus Shemayim. You say, okay, so what does it mean to be Mechabal Malchus Shemayim? It means Hashem says, do the mitzvah, and you do it. Well, that sometimes is a little harder, right? So the key is wanting to want to do it. Eventually you'll get there. The only prerequisite is that you want to want to do it. And that's like, I don't know, there's times where that's a transformative realization. It's like you're still in the game as long as you want to want to do it. Right. It's, it's a great goal. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you, you, you could feel like you're not even on the playing field if you're not drawn towards some mitzvah. Right. 
So to know that just the fact that you want to be, even though you're not, is also meaningful. It's more than meaningful. It's like a big deal. Right. It's a very big deal. Okay. And this, what makes it, a, so what makes it a big deal? That's really the question. What makes that such a big deal? What makes it so powerful to want to want to is that that is the underlying force of Bechira ignited. Bechira is free will. What makes you choose? So if under it all, you've got free will and your free will is lit up with a desire to choose right, not making the choice. When you're making the choice, you feel torn. But you have an underlying desire to do the good choices and to make the right choices. That is your Bechira being activated. It maybe isn't fully played out, but that's the biggest first step. If that's lost, that's very hard work to recover. And it's usually tragic in the meantime. Doesn't mean you can't be salvaged and saved, but like it's really a big problem. Okay. And that brings us back to this interplay of Bechira and Shema and the structure of Shema and all of this at the level of Malachim. In the end, we said that's a level of the head, that's a level of Seichel and free will. Okay. Amri Rabbanan, hey what should we do? We've seen this Gemara before. Namri, who should we say? Baruch Shein Kfod. Lo Amaru Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say it. Lo Namri who? Amaru Yaakov. Should we not say Baruch Shein? But Yaakov did say Baruch Shein. Hizkinu Shehu Omrim Oso Bechashai. So Chazal said we should say it quietly. We said that was like a very, I'm not sure you were here actually those weeks, but that's like a really puzzling conclusion. Like, should we or should we not? We'll say it in a whisper is either you're achieving both or you're achieving neither. But, so funny. I think there's like probably a lens and it's pointed this the other way. <laughs> that must be what it is. Okay. Amar of Yitzchak, Amri Debe Rav Ami. Masha Labas Melech. This may be compared to the daughter of a king, Shehiricha Tzikei who smelled um, something cooking, but it seems like it's, not classy food. I don't know what it means. Like, what would be an unclassy food? Fried chicken and French fries. Okay, yeah, maybe. So maybe Kentucky smells- fried chicken. Okay. Right? Or like Burger King. So somebody super fancy, I don't know, the, the Queen of England is being driven in a Bentley through the streets of London to go somewhere and they've cracked the window open so she can wave to the populace and suddenly she smells fish and chips (laughs) and she's like oh my gosh I must have fish and chips and you're like we're not stopping and getting fish and chips off a street cart for the queen of England to eat with her fingers in front of everybody that doesn't fly okay like we'll have the chef prepare something fried if you want for dinner okay I'm Tomar now what does the queen think as she's riding along in the Bentley, waving to the populace, and all of a sudden she's like, oh my gosh, I gotta have some of that fish and chips. It smells so drippy, oily, amazing. If she says, if she says anything about it to her Secret Service agents who are around her, she says, wow, I would love that. It's disparaging to herself and her honor and her position. It's not nice. <coughs> It's not respectable for people of high rank to buy greasy food off of a food cart. 
Lo Tamar. If she doesn't say anything, Yesh Lo Tsar. Now she's suffering. Now she's like, uh, <laughs> I really want it. You know, maybe not now when she's 90 or whatever. But what about when she was, I don't pregnant. know, 25 <laughs> or 30? That's what I was thinking. And she's pregnant. So she's like really craving it now. Once she smelled it, that's it. Now she's really craving it. But what's everyone going to say if like they stop the car? And, like, some Secret Service agent jumps out, grabs, like, a greasy newspaper. You know, they do it like yeah. a newspaper and, like, twist it up and hand it to the queen. Okay. So her servants brought it to her secretly. This is the word chashai, like, that we say, Baruch shame secretly. They saw her mouth like in a whisper. and they were really nice they, about they, it. They saw the look in her eye, and they... Talk, whisper into the walkie-talkie, and some policeman at the back of the row, not associated with the car, pulls over, gets the fish and chips, sneaks around the side, and like slides it through right. the window, you know, and they hand her like a French fry. And she's like, oh, okay, thanks. Okay, nobody saw. All right. So obviously the servants see, obviously, okay. Now, it's an interesting example, because you're like, so what exactly did that tell me about Baruch the story's good, but what did it tell me? They, Chazal brought this to teach me. That you're craving to say it, and... Are you asking me? Like yeah, you're craving to yeah. say it, and we I need to so. do it in a very subtle way to not bring attention that, like... There's something not we, fitting about yeah. this. Yeah, and I think, like, when I first heard the story, I'm sort of like... I really didn't understand it, and like, what's the deal with the craving it and that? But I think that's exactly it. Instead of it being like the other, according to the other Chazal, where we have this thing like we're hiding it, like we stole it from the Malachim. You know, when you're little, they're like, you whisper it so the Malachim won't know, they won't hear you saying it. So, of course, you're sitting in preschool, and everyone's going, Baruch shame, give up, like, because the Malachim won't hear you if you just whisper, right? But it's that it turns it around. That we're, it's for our... I think the key here is it's not out of respect for us that we whisper it. What we're saying is it's God's honor. It's the glory of his kingdom. And we're the princesses. We're the basmelech. So our honor is not because we are honorable. It's not our own. When you're a princess, when you're the daughter of the king, the reason you have covered is because your father is the king. Mm-hmm. Because he's the king, people give respect to the king's children. And for good reasons, but it's not because of you. There's nothing you're doing. It's just, but it, it wouldn't be respectable for this daughter of the king to eat that way, but she really wants it. So she'll eat it quietly, why? to defend her father's honor. It's the, it's the honor of the Malchus. It's not her own honor. It's the honor of the kingdom, right? Even the Queen of England, really, maybe by now she's earned respect for things she has done or said or not done or not said. But really, she came into the respect because of her father and her father's father and her father's brother that people didn't respect. And, like, that's, you know, and it's really the honor of England. It's not... It's not her personally, at least not to start. So that, well, if we say that we're saying it in a chashai, according to the story, what we're doing is we're defending God's honor. What are we defending it from? The fact that we have taivas. On the one hand, we're the daughters of the king. 
and we should be able to say Baruch Shem Kvod Machus meaning when I say Baruch Shem, an expression of God's glory is set out into the world, just through saying it. But if the mouth that's saying it is the mouth that's craving fish and chips, or chocolate, or anything, like physical, maybe I have not done such a service to God by expressing it. You know, if the person who is, when you have an advertisement for like a campaign and you want people to promote, you know, so-and-so for president, you want to have people that people respect being the faces of the campaign. Because if it's people that people look down on, it will have an opposite effect. If I am a person who's full of taivas and full of sins, and I stand up and I say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Okeinu Hashem Echad, I'm giving testimony to myself and to the world and to Kla Yisrael. And I say, Baruch Shem Kvamachu and Hashem's glory of his kingdom. But I myself am a low person. I'm detracting from the campaign. I'm disgracing the campaign. I'm not adding to it. That's a problem. On the other hand, I want to be somebody who would do credit to God by saying that. So I say it in a whisper. I whisper it because it's amazing. It's amazing that that's what that chazal meant. Because when you hear it, it's sort of like, okay, I don't know. She wants like the food. But yeah, what it means is I want to be that. And I recognize that I am not really holding there. So then on what basis do I say it at all? The basis is because I want to be. It's back to this. I want to be a person who would merit to say it, who would be qualified, who would be an, give a credit to God's name by saying it. The problem is, through honest self-reflection, I'm not really. There's enough in me that is not what God said to be, that it's not a full credit to his name. And therefore, okay, so now, going on from there. Rav Chaim of Elazhen says in the Sefer Ruach Chaim, on Pirkei Avos, the Mishnah Navo says you should pray for the peace and the welfare of the government, of the kingdom where you live. And then in, with relation to that Mishnah Navos, he cited the above Gemara about the princess. Of, okay, and he said, What shame is there if we'll be caught saying So here's how he explains. When we say, Hashem, our Lord, Hashem is one. We're not saying he's, he's one when it comes to mightiness or something. We don't just mean he's the only God. Just. That would be a big statement. There's only one God and it's him. That's a strong statement. That means everybody else, I don't know what you're praying to, but there's only one God and it's him. And he's the only one who has any power. Everything else is just a delusion. <clears throat> but it means more than that. When we say Hashem, Hashem, Echad, God is one. Ki'im shehu Echad Mamish. There is nothing other than him. Not just no God other than him. There is no one and nothing. Ein davar acher ba'olam zulaza. There isn't anything else in this world. Kilo rega Echad yaster ritzano. If for one second God would, he calls it like hide his will. In other words, 
God's will that there should be a universe, that there should be a world, is what initiates the fact that he wishes it to be that way, wants it to be that way, that's what makes it become that way. If for one moment that will would be occluded, then nothing would exist. It would cease to exist. So that means that everything is actually, everything that we think of as real and tangible is all a function, an outcome of God's will that it exists. So there's nothing here other than his will around us. Okay. That is the truth of the glory of his name. Remember, the name of God is a description provided us of his interaction with the world. So when we say Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, we are authenticating that. You know, you go to a website and it has like a little lock or a little check mark that says this site is verified. You, you could rely on it. We've made sure it's trustworthy. When I say Shema, I'm providing my stamp of authentication, verification. I've checked it out. This is true. That's what it means. That I'm like, that's fine. Okay? That's Amis Askodo Yisbar Shema. Avakshanu Omrim Shehu Melech Aleinu. On the other hand, you say, okay, there's only one God. There's nothing other than his will in the world. And that's true. Now, now watch me behave for the rest of the day. Right. That's terrible. <laughs> okay. What have I done? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So don't use me as your verisign. It's a problem. Memory. Right. Okay. We say he's our king. He's the king over us. Baruch Shem Kvod Malchuso. The name of his glorious kingdom. Because the, the logical next step is if God created everything and everything is his and everything is only an expression of his will, including us, then if he tells me to do something, I need to do that. That's why he's the king over me. I have to do it because he's... So if I don't behave as if he's my king, that suggests upstream that I'm not fully on board with Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. That's what it could be interpreted as. It also could be interpreted that we're human and we have a Yitzhahara and like, we don't always hold it all together. But there's a problem there in the testimony department. Saying it to ourselves, we need to keep saying it to ourselves. But, okay. So if we say, look how glorious God is, he's my king. And I'm a very small person. I haven't given him so much praise in saying he's my king. He's your king? Okay, like, great. But maybe better people want a different kind of king. Well, right, you're the, if you're so small. If I'm so small, what's the you, big, right? yeah. Okay, he says it's as if you were praising a big king that he's the king over a very tiny village. Oh, you know, when they, when they oh, the great and wonderful, you call him emperor of the seven seas and king of all you know, peoples under the domain of the empire or whatever. You give these big praises. You don't say how amazing somebody is because they're the prince of Inglewood. You'd be like, okay. Like, first of all, that's just one little piece of L.A. And it's not maybe the most glorious piece. So, like, whatever. Like, whoop-de-doo. You think I'm going to go worship the Prince of Englewood? I don't know. Okay, so that's what I'm doing when I'm saying, wow, he's the king of me. Right. I'm the Englewood. It's like, well, <laughs> hooray. <laughs> okay. That's a paraphrase from, the, from Megillah's Esther, but that's, that's really uh, shameful. It's embarrassing. 
And all the more so, it would be embarrassing enough to say that a king was the king of me, <laughs> a person. But God himself, and I'm saying he's the king of me, I haven't necessarily done him great glory by saying that. So how do we have the nerve to describe him, to praise God as our king? Everyone should be so amazed by God because he's our king. What should we do? Basically, what he's doing is, he's now restating that first Gemara. Should we say Baruch Shem Kvod Malchuso? Or shouldn't we say it? Moshe didn't say it. Yaakov did. Rav Chaim Vladim is saying, it's, it seems like we shouldn't say Baruch Shem. Because saying it is almost an insult. I mean, we mean well. But like, how exciting is it to anybody? But what can we do? Ritzono zeu kvodo. There is a principle, it's even a halachic principle. If you want to give someone kavod, you do what they want. So if you want to honor, <laughs> I heard Rabbi Left say this. He's a Rav, and he's a very respected Rav. And sometimes he travels. So he'll travel, and he'll arrive somewhere, and maybe his flight gets in, it's like 11 o'clock at night, and he's been sitting on a plane for, you know, 15 hours. And he's really tired, and what he'd like to do is go to sleep. But people are hosting him, and they want to honor the rabbi who's staying with him. So they prepare a meal, and it's got a few courses. You know, you don't just give him like a bowl of soup. They give him, you know, bread and soup and meat and dessert. And they sit with him, and they talk with him because, like, you want to respect the rabbi. And he's like, they don't even get it. Like, I want to be grateful to them, so I go along with it. But I cannot keep my eyes open. And really, if they asked me what do I want, I'd say, could I have, like, you know, a cup of soup and go to sleep? So how do you honor him better? You honor someone really by doing the thing that they want, right. not the thing that you want. That's something we get trapped in very often, is we try and honor people by doing what we want to do. Right? You do the chesed you want to do, and the other person, right? how many Boy Scouts does it take to cross, take the old lady across the road? You know, it's like <laughs> a lot of them because she didn't want to go. Like, <laughs> you know, so what did you do? What was such a chesed, right? <laughs> but if the honor of a person is doing what they ask, what they want, so the Ratzon of Hashem, that's the honor of him. How do you honor God? By doing what he wants. She'amar v'nasat He should say, and we should do what he says. Ratzon lahamsi, and God wanted, whatever that means, to invent, to create, ruin creations, me'ayin, from nothing. He decided to make something from nothing. We weren't there. He decided to create and he decided he wants to be called their king. Like, we, real, we realize that we're not doing him a huge credit. On the other hand, that's what he said he wants. We realize we should make him a banquet. But he wants a cup of soup and a, and a night's sleep. So I'm like, I, I am not a good spokesperson to say, Hashem okay, Hashem Echad. God is king. I'm not a good person to do it because I don't do it very well in action. But what should I do? Hashem created me and he wants me to say that he's my king. So am I insulting him by saying he's my king or am I honoring him? Well, the facts would suggest I'm insulting him, unfortunately. So, but on the other hand, that's what he want. He told me. He said, please announce that I'm the king. Tell the people the king is here. So do I say, no, 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 I can't. 
And then he's like, go tell everyone I'm here. Now what? So I guess I'm going to go do it. Am I worthy? No. But it's not about me. If I want to honor God, it's about him. And that's what he said to do. So this comes back to, I may not be so good, but I want to be. It all comes down to that at this level in Shema. It's what is my real will. If so, it's an insult to him, so to speak, to say he's the king over things like us. The only greatness that there is here is his humility. It's God's own humility that is the glory over here. Not ours. Yeah, it's not us. It's his his decision that he deigns to have us so that we speak should out. be allowed to... Whatever. It's his will. I don't know. Like, why? I, I don't know. That's what he wanted, though. So... And there were times when his rulership and the glory of his kingdom was more revealed through us like when we came out of the land of Egypt. So by looking at the Jewish people, you saw God's greatness because he took this lowly nation, just bloop, sucked us right out of Egypt and there were all the miracles or in the time of the Beis HaMikdash when there were open miracles. Even at those times, it's still a, a humility on God's part that that's how he should be proclaimed king. Even at the times when there's open miracles and revelations and prophets and still... See, we think, okay, well, compared to us, they're so great, which they are. But they're still humans. Mm-hmm. It's still lowly compared to the glory that we're talking about. Right. And it's all the more so in our times when God's glory is Hester Panem, is hidden in general, then we're even lower. Okay. The verification, the verification, the, the testimony that this is the truth, that's the first passage. And that we say out loud. That's the truth. But the will of how to honor him, that the glory of it, the, the fact of it that God is one, say that out loud. That's just the bald facts. God's one, there's nothing else. But the aspect that he's glorified through us that we whisper <laughs> because there's an aspect of like yeah like it's we're so low Who are we to the world that? is so low he said to do it we'll do it but we're not gonna say ha ah, god is king over me isn't that amazing like that's like and who are you again remind us like no so we say god's the king over me and that should be revealed through me but i'm not maybe gonna shout that one out because that's like a little awkward he said to do it, so he told I wasn't hired as a spokesman. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, I was. That's the issue. Well, you the are point is, I was hired as a spokesman, and this is embarrassing because but I'm, like Yaakov was I'm more not of a hired the king. best representative of the brand. Right, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> that's Yaakov the problem. Was more of a yeah. hired... Uh, he was a much better representative right, of the brand. Right. No question. So this, it, but it, it's so fascinating, the fact yeah, that we're still really carrying this with us, right? Okay. 
There's an argument, a debate between Shabbat Yisrael Aviyim Shabbat Shemayim. I'm on this one now. Oh, okay. Sorry, okay. I finished that one. I read both pages. I apologize. I was, okay. no, I saw Do you have I was following one? you, and I That's guess okay. it's the last yeah. page. Yeah, okay. Havikuach Shabbat Yisrael Shabbat Shemayim. This is Rav Yaakov Moshe Harlap in Meimarom. There's a debate going on between the Jewish people and their father in heaven. We, all we want is God's glory to be revealed. Meaning, we'd really rather that everything just be directly from him. Right? Please, Hashem, take care of us lowly day... Um, we don't want to have people giving us gifts. We don't want to win the lottery. We don't want somebody to give us a loan. We would much rather be sustained through God's hand directly. Why? Because it's not hidden. What we want is God's glory to be visible for his sake and for its sake, not ours. So it's not about what do I want. It's about that everything should be revealed directly from him, not through intermediaries. Not even through us. Meaning, yeah, it's a big honor if we're the ones who reveal his glory. But then we're like a filter, too. So you know, it's like you're putting like a high-powered hose through a very small hole, and it's like, it doesn't all get through. So really, I would rather, if I could do a chesed for somebody, and I will. But it's even better if Hashem would directly do the chesed for them. A miracle will happen. I don't know. They just get better. Like, the, I have to bring them the medicine and then they get better. It's, it's nice to be his shaliach. But it's an even greater revelation of God when his shechina is present and all the sick people just get healed. Okay? Even though my being his shaliach also is a revelation, but it's way muted. It's much, much less. So this is why we wear tefillin that have a sign on our arms, a sign on our eyes. This is my powerful human brain. This is however much power I've got in my hands, meaning my ability to do this. Roa, the arm, represents your force. Okay? And all of that is really tied up in the words, that's what's in the tefillin. There's only God. None of this strength is mine. None of these brains are mine. Okay? That's the only message I want. I want everyone to know it's God. It's not me. That's what we wrap on ourselves. There is none other than him. Everything is his will. Everything is his ability and power. On the other hand, in con- not in contrast exactly, but like facing us, is God. Now, I believe what he's referencing here, I'm sure he was referencing here, this brachos vav aleph, um, I should have brought it, is a description of Hashem wearing tefillin. That's in the Gemara. Now, this is very... Hashem has no body. It's an article of faith. We know that. Hashem certainly doesn't have any physical tefillin being tied on any non-physical, like, okay? But there is some... Remember, everything in the physical world is a materialization of a spiritual truth. The spiritual truth looks different at different levels of the universe. We've talked about this in the past. Okay, so here I have a table. Or here, okay. A table is that which lifts up. Things can be set down to their limits and yet still be elevated. Okay, that's one concept of a table. 
tables at Mizbeach, right? Because, right, we have that idea. Tables at, why? Mizbeach, it's not just that it's shaped sort of like a table, kind of, not exactly. You put the physical on it. It's ha- that's the limits of it. That's a, it can't go higher, and yet you've elevated it. Right. Mizbeach elevates the physical. A table elevates the physical. That's what it actually does. My, I don't have to lie down on the floor to see my notebook because the table is elevating this physical notebook. Okay? There is a spiritual reality of things which are physical being elevated. Okay, so at higher levels, that's the olam ha'asiya, it looks like a table. But in the olam of Gitsira or Bria or atzilus, it looks different. It doesn't look exactly like that shape. Right. Spiritually, it looks the same. It's that which can elevate the physical. But in the, it doesn't have a shape like a table. Okay, there is a higher spiritual world where there's something like our tefillin. But it's spiritual tefillin. God's spiritual tefillin are described in the Gemara as being different. The question is, what, what's inside of them? Our tefillin have little scrolls inside that say, What's in the spiritual heavenly tefillin? Interesting question. Right? You can't even guess on this one. It's like, right. oh. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing is like, right? Okay. Rotzeh HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Davka, God's will is, that his will all flow through the pipeline, through the channel that is Israel. That's his will, right? That's like what we were saying before in Chaim like, what should I do? Like, that's what he said. Am I worthy? Maybe not. But that's what he wants. God's will is that everything should channel, all this bracha in the world should channel via the Jewish people. Through the Beis HaMikdash, through the Avoda, through the the Jewish people. The Torah is being channeled into the world through the Jewish people. Like that, what? That's a very big responsibility. the Mariama. So the heavenly tefillin say, inside of them, They don't say, God's tefillin say, Who is like you, O Israel? One nation in the earth. One is the Echad, but he's talking about us now, not about him. Shekol Magamaso, Kehavaya Shiyizgale Kocham Shal Yisrael Shenasan Mechakol Yerehav. God's purpose here, his target is, his objective in existence, in the physical existence, is that through the power of Jewish, of the Jews, his glory will be revealed. His strength will be revealed. He has given of his share, a share of his strength to those who fear him, who have awe of him. And people will look at us and say, ooh, ah, look at the might of the Jewish people. Look how they conquered that land. Look how they left Egypt. Look how they built that amazing temple. Look how they have the wisest king. Look how they have kindness and generosity and tzedakah and justice, right? That, wow. God's strength is really showing through them. Okay? That's what he wants. <laughs> so there's, this is our, our argument, so to speak, with God. We're saying, we'd rather you demonstrate it all straight out. He's saying, no, I'd like you to deliver the message for me. That's the argument, okay, so to speak. And the, the more extreme that argument gets, the more passionately we feel that we want God to reveal his strength. And the more passionately, so to speak, that God is saying, no, I want you to reveal my strength, the more 
beautiful and improved and well-grounded existence actually becomes. The, that argument itself, that two-directional flow, where we're, what we want so much is for his glory to be revealed, just that process itself is, in fact, an enhancement of God's honor and glory. More we make effort to reveal his honor and glory. The more pleased God is and proud of his beloved children and desirous that it should be good for them. And this is what we say, We say it through, the power, through desire and power that through he is the only one. That's how we want him to be revealed. That's the aspect of our tefillin. And Hashem says to us, that his name should be revealed through his, through his being melech of us. That means that we are part of that revelation. That's the power of us. The higher tefillin. And so we say that quietly in a whisper because... First of all, our desire is more on the Shema Yisrael side than the Baruch Shem. We really want God to reveal himself directly, that the, the glory of the power of his Malchus should be there. But we do want it to be through us, but it's only on Yom Kippur when God's glory is really completely visible through the power of the Jewish people. He doesn't specify here, but I assume that's through the power of tshuva. So it's not... So the power of will, then we can say it out loud. It's not really selfish that we're also whispering? Exactly not selfish. It's it's getting in touch with the awareness of God's glory and how much we desire to be fitting representatives of it and yet realize we're not really right. yet. Okay, but then we don't really want to do it because we want him to do it directly. No, but it's not that we don't want. We just wish he would do it directly. Okay. It's not that I don't want to be. Okay. I wish I could be. But I recognize that it would be so much more. The job right. I'm trying to do would be so much better done if he would just do it. Right. It's not that I'm trying not to do it or wish I weren't doing it. My will is that I should be able to do the job perfectly. My it's also like better. reality side of myself says, my gosh, I'm not, except on Yom Kippur. It's also better for us. Yeah, for sure. But on, Yom Kippur, right. yeah, yeah, but on Yom right. Kippur, when I can be pulled away from any Yetzir Hara, and I'm in tune with my real will through tshuva. Tshuva is an expression of the inner will I want so much to be on track. So then there's no, we could fully be, we could be the spokespeople oh, out loud. No, it's okay. I feel the same. It's actually one. Minute. Okay, thank you. So that finishes that packet. We'll, we'll go on next time. Uh, we had this discussion. Is it the about how the Taiva for Zora is not there. What are we really missing out on? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about, uh, you know, our guess was maybe spirituality, you know. It's, it seems like there's that, the, we lost a passion for spirituality. Yeah. Like a feeling that we're desperately like, chasing. As much as it seems ridiculous to have a Taiva for Society kind of really sunk down very low because maybe because of that, I'm not sitting there. I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. I think so. 
I think so. Can we even imagine like that description? There's this description of King Menashe in the Gemara where I forget which of the which of the rabbis of the Gemara was teaching, and he made some comment like our good friend Menashe, like sarcastically, you know, because he was such a Russian. Right, right. The descriptions of him, and that night in the dream, King Menashe came to him, and he said like, "Excuse me, you don't even know what you're talking about." I, Menashe was the son of Chizkiyahu, like right. you know. He said, you don't even know what you're talking about. He said, if you had been there, if you lived when I lived, you would be picking up, like, your robe to run faster to do a Vodazar. Right. Like, so don't you start making comments to me. We have no... <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, the idea that, like, I have to run faster to something that will just make me feel spiritually uplifted. Like a spiritual it. high. No. Anyway. anyway, I had a, a 